0: Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Anyway, next week is our Christmas experience and we are going to have a good time, good family time together. Um, Just to let you in, next week I'm going to be preaching using the keyboard. So it's going to be something a bit different, something that we've never tried before. We might completely tank. And uh, if that happens, um, then the following week, we have a week off anyway. We're going to have a picnic rather than than an experience. So yeah. Anyway, um, coming up in January, Obviously, 2018 comes around, and many of you guys have already heard that we are um, having a theme over next year called Beyond Zero, where we are uh, talking about how we can get beyond baseline, beyond just living our lives average or normal or where we already are at. We want to go further, and a part of going Beyond Zero is that I believe that the Bible is one of the most important things, yeah? Yeah. If you're a Christian, hopefully you said yes to that um, because this is God's word to us. This brings life. This brings instruction. This brings hope. And so what we're going to be doing as a church is that we have uh, pr- uh, produced a January Bible reading plan, and that's available for you in the Connection Hub. We printed plenty for every family, I'm pretty sure. Um, and basically, we'll be reading through the books of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon all in the month of January. What an amazing way to start the year. You can tell people that you've already read four books, four books in one month. And uh, each day's reading is about seven to 15 verses long. That's about it. So, it's really short. You can do this. And um, if you are wanting to cultivate a Bible reading habit, why not grab one of these, get someone uh, from the church family or in your family, and say, hey, I'm going to make sure that I do this Bible reading plan in the month of January. We made it nice and small so that you can slip it into your Bible. If you want, you can put one in your fridge as well so you remember to do it. And uh, let's do this as a family. It would be so cool if, um, yeah, we, we just get everyone reading four books of the Bible. Bible in the first month Now, disclaimer, if you've never read the Bible before, those are four pretty short books. If you go like, I'm going to read four books every single month, and then you hit Psalms, and you're like, what the heck happened here? It's like someone had a lot to say about life. And uh, so so they're four shorter books, but it's a great way to start the year. And we chose those letters. They are letters that Paul the Apostle wrote to people individually. And it covers a whole range of different things uh, that people were going through. And I just thought it would be really cool uh, to have... Uh, this perspective of what Paul wanted to leave with people. Oftentimes those letters were actually written while Paul was in jail. He was kind of finishing off his uh, ministry time and he was already in jail and he wanted to leave some wisdom. He wanted to leave some of his, what he's learned and and, and the experiences that he's had. He wanted to leave that with people. And so it's really cool to read through them. And I uh, so, so grab one of them. Uh, they are in the foyer on the Connection Hub. We got them nice and early because next week's Christmas and it's everyone's just going to forget. So grab one. This week, and go from there. Anyway, cool. I want to pray before we start. I just sense that God wants to do something uh, special this morning, and I want to be ready. I want to be sensitive for it. So why don't you join me as we pray? God, I just pray that Your Holy Spirit is here, that You are speaking and that You are moving, and I pray that we are sensitive to Your leading and what You are wanting to accomplish this morning. I as we pray in Your name, and everyone says, "Amen, Amen." Did Jesus really say, do not judge? Did Jesus really say, do not judge? We're going through a series called, Did Jesus Really Say? And last week, um, well, the last couple of weeks, we had cool uh, messages. You can get that on podcast. But this week is interesting because the topic is, Did Jesus Really Say? Do Not Judge? And out of the whole series, this was actually one of those where there is... Uh, an actual quote from Jesus using those three words, do not judge. The other weeks we kind of twisted it a little bit or, or we pulled out what some people think Jesus said and, um, and, and we went with that. But this time around, uh, we found, well not found, we knew that there was a verse that, that, that quotes Jesus saying, do not judge. And I don't know about you, but the words do not judge, Christians, you're not allowed to judge, has been thrown at us as Christians, and me as a Christian, um, uh, for a good couple of years now. It's become a thing, yeah? You know, we've all, uh, uh, this happening in our cultural climate with everything that is taking place in the political, in our uh, communities, in all those different spaces, suddenly the words Christians are not meant to judge has suddenly come in vogue. It's something that is always thrown around, especially when Christians decide to voice an opinion. Yeah, I have always an opinion and it's like, you're a Christian, you're not supposed to judge. And that makes it really difficult for me, especially in my journey and in my life. Because I have often been judged to be judging someone before I have judged them. Make sense? I know I was a bit convoluted, but let me tell you why. I went to university and I studied um, psychology. And I studied psychology back in the day when psychology was in... As um, influential, like, should, should we say, like it's not, it wasn't as much in society at that point in time. There's a, there's a lot more pop psychology that's available now, and so psychology has become a bit mainstream. But I was studying psychology before it was that mainstream. And the number one thing that would happen when I met someone new is that we would start talking about our lives, and then they would say, So, what are you doing? And I would say, Oh, I'm studying psychology. And then Almost without fail, the person would go, oh, are you reading my mind? And then they would say, haha, joking. And then, because I can read minds, I would know that they were not really joking. They actually were really worried that I was reading their minds and judging them. In case you guys don't know, I was joking. Psychologists can't read minds, but because of the person's awkward laugh, it was quite obvious that they did not. They had some thoughts in there that they didn't want anyone to know, and um, so I was judged to be judgmental before I even thought about being judgmental. And then a few years later, uh, I became a pastor, and same kind of scenario. I would meet a new person, and I would be like, "Hey, how you going?" And as we chatted, they would say, "So, what are you doing?" And I'd say, "I'm a pastor." And very similar kind of reaction, they would then need to ensure that I know that they were living a morally pure life, and that they love the church. And so we'll be continuing our conversation, and uh, if you don't know me, I'm pretty chill. So I'll ask you about your life, and I'll ask you about what's going on, and and as we were chatting, I would have people that, that, that would just drop in sentences like, oh, I would never sleep with my girlfriend before marriage what are we talking about? I was like, You're talking about holiday plans, yeah? Oh, yeah, I would, I would visit a different church every Sunday while I'm in the UK. You know, they, they would need to let me know that they're not living a sinful life, that they love the church, and I'm like, I don't even care about, like, okay, I do care about those things, but I'm not needing to find out the intricate details of life just because I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm normal. I'm like you. I'm going through life. I've got a journey that I'm going on. And, and yet, I was judged to be judgmental because of certain titles that I have. And um, that was just a bit of a fun introduction. But, you know, where, where, where's the line for us as Christians? Are we allowed to have an opinion? And if we have an opinion, which I think if you're a human being you will have an opinion, are you allowed to voice them? Are you allowed to talk to people about things that you're seeing in their life that maybe you don't think is going right or going well and it's maybe going to lead into a a difficult or destructive way? Are, Are we allowed to or is that considered judgmental? Are we supposed to be silent no matter what happens in our lives or to the people that, that surround us or especially the people that we love? Are we meant to not voice our opinions? Are we meant to be silent? I think it's important because this really influences our lives and what we're doing and, and, and how we relate to people and maybe in that way how we relate to God as well. So I think it's important that we go to the Bible and we find out what Jesus actually said and try to find out what, it is, that, what is it that he, is, that he meant by these words. And so if you turn with me to Matthew 7 verses 1 or 2, this is a passage that we'll be camping on today. And it says, Do not judge. There you go, those three words. Or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Sounds pretty black and white, doesn't it? Do not judge. But he goes beyond that and he says, the way and the measure of your judgment will be used against you. And that used to be a pretty black and white statement for me. And I used to therefore get really worried because I used to be a pretty judgmental person. In fact, I am probably still am quite a judgmental person. Uh, but when I was um, a younger pastor, what I would do is that God gave me this ability to see people's intentions and the patterns in their life pretty clearly. And that's why I wanted to study psychology. It was something that was a bit of a natural ability, personality gifting that God had given to me. And what I would then do with that skill uh, is that I would look after people or have people in my team or people have people visit my campus or whatever. And I would see what they were doing and what was going on and I would pronounce a judgment onto them. I would say, oh, that person's not going to stick around. Other that persons you know that they they, they don't they want change they don't care about people they don't care about and i would make pretty black and white statements about where they were going and over time i started to see that these judgments that are pronounced on other people did not include the grace of god in them they were pretty um, condemning and they put people down and so over time i started to see that that kind of judgment was actually quite detrimental to the way that I related to these people. It stopped me bringing grace and understanding to such people. And in that way, I saw that that's not good, especially with what Jesus was saying, the same way and the same measure of that judgment will be heaped against you. And it was pretty intense, and so over time, I've, I, I've gone through a, a, a maturing in this, because I do believe that God has given me those skills and abilities, and, and I do want to use them to uh, do good stuff with it, but I've had to learn what that means and what that looks like, and with that, understanding that this commandment from Jesus that says, do not judge, is something that was quite interesting for, uh, for me, and... The thing is that I find that when I do relate to non-Christians or other people um, that that are looking into this verse is that quite often the way that they see this verse is that it's a bit of a one-for-one exchange. That means that if I pronounce that you are sinful, Jesus or God is pronouncing me as sinful. Make sense? Because it's the same way and the same measure. So if, Andre, you're such a sinner. In that moment, God's looking at me and saying, oh, you're such a sinner. You know what I mean? Makes sense? I don't know if that's a conscious thought for you, but I think that's what some people kind of picture as going on. But then as I went through my life, I started to see that it's not that black and white. Because as a guy, I love watching sport. And while I'm watching sport, I shout stuff at the referees (laughs) all the time you blind idiot. <laughs> and when I shout at the referee's judgment, you blind idiot, did I become a blind idiot? Well, maybe some of you believe that. It's a Why are you shouting at the TV again? <laughs> and while well, 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 I was driving, I've known to have some more, um road anger, not rage. I don't get out of my car. <laughs> road anger. And someone cuts in front of me, and I'm like, you, I don't know, what's a good thing to say? Let's <laughs> tone it down. You monkey. <laughs> you monkey. And, and I, I don't start growing any more hair. I mean, I wish I could grow a little bit more hair on my face, but... You know, it, it's, there's no one-for-one one exchange going on. And in fact, when you look at Jesus, He's pretty judgmental. You know, there's this story, right? And I always found this story really interesting. But Jesus goes to a temple, goes to the temple. There's only one temple in Jerusalem. And he goes to the temple, and he actually sits and watches people give their money to the temple. They had this collection box. And he sat, I don't know how far he was sitting. I don't know if he was trying to be a bit of like a spy, just kind of like peeking at the box, or he was kind of like in broad daylight, just like, here we go. Let, I'm looking at this box. I don't know exactly what happens. The Bible tells us Jesus went to the temple and he was watching as people gave. This rich man comes round, plongs a bag of money in there, makes a big show about how generous he was, and then walks off. Another guy does the same thing. And then there was this little widow, this old widow. She kind of just silently made her way to the the collection box and she drops a couple of coins in and kind of just tries to get away without wanting anyone to know. And in that moment, right, Jesus calls his disciples, all 12 of them, and he says, hey, hey, look. Look at this woman. She's given more than anyone has ever given or, or more than the others have given. And in that moment, even though it was a good judgment, a judgment of how good one person was, by reference, Jesus was also saying about the other two that they were being stingy. Jesus judged how people were acting. And then our, this this morning, I was looking at this there's um, this story in Matthew chapter 15 and, and, and 15 verse 21. And, and you can look at it if you want, but it says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and uh, 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 Sidon. A Canaanite woman came from that vicinity and came to Him crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So His disciples came to Him and urged Him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us he answered i was sent only to the lost sheep of israel now understand this that canaanites they were considered gentiles which were basically enemies of the jews that was just basically what that was what was happening there and jesus actually says i was sent only to the lost sheep of israel the woman came and knelt before him uh, saying lord help me he replied this is jesus okay Jesus meek and mild, Jesus full of grace, full of joy, full of love. He says, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. I'm letting that sink in because that's pretty crazy. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Jesus made a pretty weird judgment there. And if you want further evidence that Jesus is judgmental, you can read about it. I think it's Matthew 23. Let me just check my notes. Matthew 23, verse 13 to 36. In this extended passage, Jesus spoke out seven woes, W-O-E, seven woes against the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And he said, woe to you. Woe basically means pain and suffering. He said, pain and suffering upon you. Pain and suffering upon you, Pharisees, teachers of the law. You are hypocrites, blind guides, and he even goes as far as to say you are blind fools. So next time someone cuts in front of you or you don't like the referee's decision, blind fool, it's in the Bible. Jesus used it. Don't use it, please. I'm just, I'm just trying to build a case that maybe this whole idea of do not judge is not exactly what we think do not judge means. Because Jesus is an example of how we are to live our Christian lives. Many people might think, no, 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 Jesus is different because He's the Son of God. But one of the things that Jesus did when He came onto earth is that He put aside His deity. He put aside His divinity. He took on humanness. He took on our humanity and lived as a human. And so His actions as a human show us what us as humans can actually live as and look like. And so I'm starting to wonder whether this whole idea of do not judge doesn't mean be silent. I don't think do not judge means that Christians do not get to say anything. It doesn't mean that whatever I say is going to be used back on me. I heard this story about this um, older Christian gent. And because he took this so literally, whenever he was angry with someone, he would literally say, Bless you! When in that kind of a tone bless you. It's like, more blessing, please, God. You see, I pronounce a blessing on someone. And I'm like, is Jesus stupid? Is Jesus as dumb? Does he kind of just look at your words? Oh, he said the beware. He's bless. He didn't say curse. Let's bless him too. It's a bit dumb. Sometimes I think Christians make ourselves look really dumb because we kind of boil down the Word of God and make it so simple and so black and white when there's so much that is going on. And like I mentioned in the first week of this series, we need to understand the full context before we understand what Jesus is trying to say. And so let's look beyond just verses 1 and 2 of Matthew 7. Uh, Let's read on from that. Let's see what Jesus was actually saying. He said, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others... You will be judged, and with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And he goes on to say, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there was a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. You see, the context of Jesus saying, do not judge in these verses came in what is called the Sermon on the Mount. This was the first big sermon that was recorded in the Bible for us. And it goes from Matthew 7, uh, Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. And basically, if I was to summarize what Jesus was trying to teach the people in that sermon, was a new kingdom culture. A new kingdom culture. What was going on is that the Pharisees and the, uh, the, the, the teachers of the law, they had created this culture on how Jews were to live and what Jesus spoke about often is in, in, the, in, in, in those three chapters is, is new way of living uh, in, in stark comparison to what these Pharisees were teaching people to do. And what he was trying to usher in was a way of living that was in line with the culture of God's kingdom. It's basically bringing us in alignment with how God sees our lives and what God intends for our lives. Do not judge is part of that culture. But part of that culture doesn't include being silent no matter what. In fact, Jesus was saying, first, take the plank out of your own eye then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I would go so far as to say that God is intending for this kingdom culture to be a speck-removing culture, to be going around helping people to see clearly in their lives. But the problem was that the old culture included a whole bunch of people that had planks in front of their eye and were trying to teach people how to live lives. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they saw the Bible through their plank and they were teaching people how to live with a plank. But because Jesus came and he had a relationship with God that is now available to us, by the way, he removed that plank and he was saying, no, 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 don't put planks in front of people's eyes, that's being hypocritical which remember he did use in Matthew 23 on the Pharisees. In fact, if you look through all of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he was often calling the teachers of the law hypocrites. And in the same way he was saying, you're being hypocritical when you've got a plank in front of your eye and you say that you're trying to help. When we have a plank in front of our eye, do not judge. Do you know what planks do? Planks stop us from understanding. Planks stop us from perceiving. Planks stop us from being able to empathize with another person. It stops us from being able to connect with other people. And when you look at the way that Jesus related to people in the Bible, the very interesting thing to me is that there is no cookie cutter to what Jesus was doing. There wasn't a, if the person is sinful, treat them this way. If the person is a decent person, treat them this way. If the person is a liar, treat them this way. There's no law on how to deal with people. In fact, Jesus dealing with people is probably one of the most frustrating things in the Bible. Let me give you an example. Jesus met this man called Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And a tax collector in those days was basically a very, uh, basically, a, what do you call it? State-sanctioned thievery, if you will. He, he had the power of the Romans to, uh, uh, to collect taxes, but he would often collect more than he needed to. And so he was a thief, and he was a person that everyone hated. Now, when you see someone that everyone hates... The way that you think Jesus should relate to him. So maybe take away Zacchaeus because we know what happens to his story, yeah? And let's say you put in place a pedophile. Let's say you put in place Hitler. You put in place someone that everyone should hate. And then you go, all right, let's see how how you're going to deal with him, Jesus. How Jesus dealt with Zacchaeus would have blown everyone's mind because Jesus did not call any judgment on him. Didn't remind him of his sins. Jesus simply went to Zacchaeus and said, let's have some food. And that's why I live, we love food. Because many of you are like Zacchaeus. <laughs> just joking, totally joking. But we love food. Um, and, Zac- and Jesus just had a meal with Zacchaeus. And in the moment, Zacchaeus, after that meal, went, you know what? I can't live that life anymore. I'm going to give every little bit back that I have stolen four times over. Do you know what just happened there? That meal was Jesus taking the speck out of Zacchaeus' eyes. His plankless vision enabled him to go to a person and say, you know what, right now this person doesn't need another person telling him that he is a, a, a scoundrel. He doesn't need another person telling him that he is a broken person. He knows that. Right now, he needs someone to see him and uh, have a meal with him, showing that he's still human, that he's still got a future. And so Jesus went, I'm going to have a meal with him. But then you go to another passage in the Bible where Jesus met with a young rich ruler. And this young rich ruler, by his own account, has never done anything wrong. He's been trying real hard. He's been doing real good. And you would think that person Jesus could show a little bit more grace to because he's actually doing really well. But in that exchange, Jesus actually says to him, you've got a real problem. Your money is your God and is stopping you from having a relationship with the true God. Straight up. You've got a problem with money. You need to deal with it. The rich young ruler who supposedly was living a pretty good life received a pretty scathing judgment from Jesus. You're not living right. Why does Jesus do that? It's because his plankless vision enabled him to see the speck in the person's eyes. What I'm trying to impress upon you is that in dealing with people, we cannot just throw out, do not judge, We're supposed to not judge from a plank in front of our eyes attitude. And we're meant to bring understanding. And we're meant to bring healing and hope. You know, the problem with our culture is that it's done something really damaging. And that is that we have equated hurt with harm. We've equated hurt with harm. Hurt and harm are two completely different things. But so often in our culture, when you relate to people, you will see this, that whenever they feel like they are hurt, they feel like they have been harmed. Let me give you an example of why hurt and harm aren't the same things. A little while ago, we became paranoid and we stopped having playgrounds. We started having play areas that were completely sanitized so that kids cannot climb past 30 centimetres or something along those lines. We became so conscious of our kids' safety that we created playgrounds that we thought they would not be able to get hit in. Do you know, recently, a whole bunch of studies have shown that these too-safe playgrounds have become harmful to our kids because our kids don't learn hand-eye coordination. They don't learn risk-taking behaviours. They are so scared to do anything. They don't learn all of those things that we learn, even though some of us receive broken arms and broken legs along in the process. And do you know that that's harmed our kids even more? You can go look at the research. Because we didn't want to hurt our kids, or we didn't want our kids to be hurt, we've actually harmed them because we wanted to put a bubble around our kids, we created this space of safety, or what we think is safety, and we've harmed their development. And I think in a very similar kind of a way, I'm wondering whether we have become so worried about hurting people that we're actually harming them. What we need to do, Christians... I want to talk to Christians for a moment. So we need to get better at removing the planks from our eyes. We need to be able to allow God to examine us and tell us, you look ridiculous right now. We need, you know what I've learned? I've learned that I needed people to tell me about my planks. I don't notice my planks anymore. They become part of my vision. They become part of me. And I'm so glad that I had people that hurt me. I've had people that bruised my ego and hurt my pride. I've had people that pointed out my mistakes and pointed out my immaturity. They hurt me because they love me. And they've enabled me to pull off planks of my eyes so that I can start to see specks in other people's eyes. Do you know that Jesus... Oh sorry, the Bible tells us, this is really important... In Proverbs 27, verse 6, it says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. We need to get away from this idea that being hurt equals being harmed. We need to develop an ability to be hurt from friends From people that we trust, so that we can remove our planks, we can move from our immaturity into maturity, because God's intention, kingdom culture, is that we remove specks from people's eyes. It's not to stay silent and say, oh, I can't say anything because Jesus said, do not judge. But we need to do it with understanding being able to see the person, being able to see what's happening in their life, and be able to speak life into that situation. In that way, my opinion this is not in the Bible because Jesus didn't have Facebook, but my opinion is that Christians on Facebook, your words don't convey your tone. And so when you are fighting for a position, as much as you might be saying, I'm bringing understanding and love, the person can read whatever they want into that. And if a person can read bad intentions into my good intentions, maybe I need to stay away. But maybe in conversation with the person, through a relationship, I can have a sane conversation and say, hey, I think what you're doing could lead you down a path of destruction. And I don't want that for you. But in the same way, maybe some people that we've already seen as being someone that's not very nice. Maybe we will look past their thorny exterior, their prickly personality, and we can see that person just simply needs love. Simply simply needs someone to say, let's go get a coffee. Let's go have a meal. We don't know what that could do, but that needs us to be able to see without our planks, And maybe you're asking, can that ever happen? I believe so, because like I said, Jesus put aside his divinity, he took on his humanity, and he could still lead a plankless vision. I believe that oftentimes we don't notice when planks come into our eyes, and so we need to continue to allow people to show us those planks. I do believe that. And so can I put out there for you that some of you don't really know how to do community. Because community for you is being around people that don't hurt you. That's not community. You're you're just bubble wrapped. You, You just got a whole bunch of bubble wrap around you. And one day they'll pop. One day they won't be able to protect you anymore. And then you're gonna get hurt. Getting around community means that you're getting around people that you can trust, that are going to put your best interests at heart. And guess what, guys? Jesus said, put other people's interests in front of yours. When we get that as a church community, that's what true community looks like. Let me guarantee you, if you come into this community, you will be hurt. But let me also say that I'm going to do my absolute best to ensure that we never harm you. That we never get to a place where we are putting you down just for the sake of putting you down. We're going to make mistakes putting it out there, and you are going to get hurt, but that hurt hopefully will lead to maturity and will lead to growth. So many people have stopped going to church because they've been hurt. And quite often, quite often I found in my journeys that those people who were hurt, yeah, yeah. Quite, sometimes it is genuine, but quite often it's also because they didn't want to let go of their planks. Oh, no, 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 I need to keep my plank with me because my plank is a part of me and if you don't, if you don't accept my plank, you don't accept me. So, no, no, I accept you and that's why I don't accept the plank. I see you for who you should be. I see you for who you can be. I see you because there's greatness in you, but right now you've got a plank. A plan that's hurting you and is hurting other people. And so when Jesus said, do not judge, he wasn't saying, stay silent. He was saying, learn how to do community better. He wasn't saying that you're not allowed an opinion. He was saying, learn how to voice your opinion in an understanding, in a loving way. And guess what? If I approach people with understanding, with empathy, with grace and wanting to see the best for them, Maybe God's going to use the same measure with me. He's going to approach me with understanding, with empathy. Understanding that I'm just human. I'm trying my absolute best, but I'm going to get things wrong every now and then. But he sees grace. And every now and then, it hurts. Every now and then, something happens in life, and I'm like, God, why aren't you protecting me? And he's like, no, 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 I am protecting you because I'm trying to remove that speck from your eye. And when you remove that speck, life is going to be so much better. Right now, you're always like, you're hurt. You're hurting yourself. But you've learned how to live with that hurt. I want to bring you to a new place and the process of getting to that new place hurts a little bit. But it's going to get better. Does that make sense? I don't want this sanitized version of Christianity existing in Lyft Church where we can't actually help people grow. We can't actually get on people's journey and and be vulnerable and be open and say, yes, I'm struggling. It's okay. I don't want this sanitized version of community where people are walking through the doors and having a a hard time, but you can't say anything because you're so worried about this idea of silence and, and all that kind of stuff. I want us to be real. I want us to be real with one another. I want us to be able to be open to one another. And that's the life that having lived in that kind of community, I know sometimes it doesn't feel that great, but it always is for my good. See if I can get the band up this morning. See, the the way that we relate to some of these scriptures often becomes the way that we relate to God. And I think some of us are so worried about hurting others or being hurt, that you're a little bit worried about God. You're a little bit worried about how God judges. You're a little bit worried about how God sees you. You're a little bit worried about what God's going to do with you. And here's the truth that Jesus looks at you, understands your whole story, your, your beginning to end. And he sees all of that. And He knows how to relate with you in a way that is able to remove the planks, is able to remove the specks so that you're able to see what life is meant to be like. And this morning, I want to give people the opportunity to allow God into your life. As much as we as a church community will love to come alongside you and to help you, there is one person who is always on your side and he's always working for your best and that is God. And I love that in the Bible, Jesus says that when you accept me into your life, I give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called our counselor. He's called our helper. He's called uh, uh, a, a person who lives inside of us. It's God living inside of us in order to, to, to speak to us, in order to give us guidance and, and, and helps us to live the life that God has for us. And so this morning, I wanna give people the opportunity to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I want to give people the opportunity to stop pushing God off, to stop saying, God, I'm too worried about being judged by you. I'm too worried about what you're going to do or how you see me. God always sees you through the lenses of grace. He always sees you through the lens of what Jesus has already done. And so this morning, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd like to invite you to say this prayer with me. So every person, just close your eyes and bow your heads for this moment. And everyone say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my life. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've fallen short. So Jesus, wash me clean and make me whole. I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lift, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.